0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening. Tonight, we have on meteorologist Jim Gandy. If you've been a uh, follower of our show, you've probably seen uh, Jim appear on the show a few times during these uh, bigger weather events with hurricanes and winter storms. So uh, Jim is joining us tonight from Columbia, South Carolina, and we're happy to have him. He was at WLTX there in Columbia, but has since retired. You retired, in fact, last year. I, actually, Jim, I think we're coming up on the one-year mark. Is that correct?
1: Just passed it. It was okay. June 1st of last year.
0: Yeah, so uh, so we've just passed that. So I, I know uh, retirement life, we were talking a little bit before we started re- uh, recording here, has been has been good to you. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that afterwards. But 45 uh, years in the business Uh, You're known as uh, South Carolina's weatherman. Tell us how it started. How did uh, your love for weather uh, transition uh, you into uh, being a meteorologist on, on TV?
1: Nothing happened the way it was supposed to. My introduction to weather, ironically, was something that just scared me to death. I was probably maybe four years old. My dad was going to take me across the street to our house. And all of a sudden, the sky right before me just lit up with lightning. And it scared the living daylights out of me, as you can imagine. And from that time on, I was scared to death of lightning. Now, this was in Memphis. Then he got transferred to Jacksonville, Florida. And if you know anything about the weather in Florida, thunderstorms are pretty frequent. And so um, I got really interested in the weather, living in Florida, still scared to death of lightning, Uh, really didn't control my fear until I went to uh, college. I I got my degree at Florida State. It was during that time that I kind of conquered my fear of lightning. Not that I don't have a healthy respect for it, I do. Uh, And then I went to Florida State, trained as a research meteorologist, and got out, graduated at absolutely the wrong time. It was 1974. We went straight into a recession. The government froze all hiring. The private sector wasn't what it was today. And so I was forced to kind of look around. My first job as a meteorologist actually was at the Institute of Storm Research in Houston, Texas. But then their contracts dried up. Again, I'm without a job. So I went back to Memphis and I actually went back to graduate school. And that first semester in graduate school, one of the TV stations in Memphis called me and asked me if I wanted to come down and audition. I had never been to a TV station. Didn't know anything about television other than what I saw on TV. I went down there, did the audition, whatever they saw they liked,
0: they hired me and the rest is history. Starting out in Memphis, I think your next move was to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma Um, City, I was in Memphis for two years.
1: We were in the midst of a, a union fight there. The station was being unionized and I hadn't had a pay raise in two years. So I decided, okay, maybe it's time to look elsewhere. And I applied to a number of TV stations in Florida since my background was in tropical meteorology. And, um, one day I get, I get a tape back from Florida and I think it was the tape I sent to Orlando. I get the tape back. Obviously it was rejected. One of the, uh, directors in the, uh, control room said, well, it, they've got an opening in Oklahoma city. Why don't you travel that? Well, I just got this tape back. I threw it in the mail and didn't think too much of it. But then, um, uh, I would say uh, just a few days later, I got a phone call from Jim Williams at, uh, KV, now K four in Oklahoma city. And, uh, they flew me out there and I did, an audition right there on their set. I beat out everybody that was um, looking for the job. And so I spent uh, almost five years in Oklahoma City. Then I went and spent two years with Mike Smith up in uh, Wichita at uh, the Kansas State Network. And then I got the job at WIS in Columbia, South Carolina and was there for about 14 and a half years, and uh, then um, Gannett offered me a job, and I went and worked at corporate for a year, and then came to Columbia at their station, WLTX, and was there for 20 years.
0: Going tropical, you know, studying at Florida State, like you said, you know, experience in tropical meteorology. Then going out to Oklahoma, where uh, you know now the Oklahoma City market seems to be one of the most sought-after markets there is, uh, with severe weather coverage, uh, it's turned into you know something that everybody tunes into now. Was it like that back in the '80s? Was I mean, oh, and oh, I know yeah. the helicopters now. We have all these storm chasers, but what was it like in the '80s in the Oklahoma City market?
1: It was fantastic. But you have to understand i went to florida state university we didn't talk much about tornadoes so when i went out to oklahoma i told my folks i said well we're going to find out what kind of meteorologist i am because oklahoma city is a tough market it has broken many people and uh, we'll see if i can if i can hack it well i went out there at just the perfect time i got the job in july which was right at the end of, of the severe storm season. So I really had about eight months to prepare. And prepare I did, because down the road from Oklahoma City, of course, is the University of Oklahoma, the National Severe Storms Laboratory, all right there in Norman, Oklahoma. And I, I, some of my friends at Florida State were working, at the Severe Storms Laboratory. So I knew the caliber of people that were down there. My biggest fear in Oklahoma City was going on the air and saying something that wasn't correct.
2: OKC to Wichita to Columbia, is there anything in particular that drew you to the Midlands um, versus being out west? Very different,
1: very different uh. Well, one, one, one was a job, uh, right. but after having been in, in Oklahoma city and Wichita for seven years and keep in mind, I grew up in the Southeast. So when I came back to Columbia to interview for the job, the first thing I noticed was trees. And I said, Oh my God, there are trees here and uh, not these little scrubby things you see out in the plains. And so I said, boy, if they offer me the job, I'm going to take it. And sure enough, they offered me the job. I took it, and the rest is history. I-, I have to laugh. People always ask me about my time out in Oklahoma City and Wichita if I ever chased storms. Yes. In fact, that's how I got into photography, was by chasing storms. Uh, I-, I-, I tell people that uh, I chased storms before it became fashionable. Um, when I was chasing... It was a rare event to run across another chaser. But today, when I see how many people are on the road chasing out there today, I'm just blown away. I said, oh, my God, there's a traffic jam. I'm surprised they don't have cops out there directing traffic. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, we see it now even uh, when
2: folks activate their GPS and they go into their into their apps, right? And you can spell out names of people across, you know, two or three States. It's pretty impressive. So yeah, lots of people, (laughs) a lot of people out there and and the competition is pretty stiff. Every once in a while on Twitter, you'll, you'll hear some some scuffling going on about who was first in line or who was supposed to be first. So it's kind of interesting.
1: Well, see, I never had that problem. There wasn't anybody, (laughs) there wasn't anybody out
2: there. (laughs) If you don't know what you're looking at in real time at the sky and what's going on in the environment, you know, you can learn a lot from that outside of what looking at radar and all these products and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, folks have well, access for, to that technology now so you know how to kind of gain uh, ahead. They can jump over to another state where something else is going on. So, kind
1: of a... Well, you know, for me, it was it was fantastic because I could take what I was seeing in the field and when I went back to the radar, now I could start to put things together. And I think that made me a better radar analyst because I could see what was on the radar and I could visualize because I had seen it in the field. And so it was a big help.
2: Jim, I want to get back to Columbia. So overall in Columbia, you're talking about 30 years, total. 34 years, 34 years. Um, you know, let's talk about some of the major events, some of the the major things you remember from, um, from Columbia. I was here during Hugo in 89. I experienced that as a teenager in high school um we left we went to union south carolina uh and came back the next day and it was just absolutely devastating but i don't think folks knew what kind of impacts were going to occur inland especially across the csra and all the way up into charlotte
1: mm-hmm. and
2: beyond so tell us about your experience with Hugo.
1: well that was an interesting one because um when i came to columbia what I had not had to do when I was out in, in the Plain States was make a five-day forecast. When I came to Columbia, they insisted on a five-day forecast. Well, this is 1989. Everybody's doing five-day forecasts, but granted, they weren't that great. So I had been watching Hugo off the African coast, and I had been reading some of the analysis coming out of Washington. And going into the preceding weekend, they said the weather pattern is shaping up for this hurricane to affect the southeast, which caught my attention. So over the weekend, I'm following it pretty closely. And so I went into work early on that Monday. And I did my analysis. The one thing that, that struck me was that The computer models were having some trouble. They kept wanting to to keep the storm going west. When it came off of Puerto Rico, though, it was moving northwest. But the models kept wanting to turn it west. I have a rule. And I developed this rule in Oklahoma. And that rule is, when it comes to computer models and reality, reality always wins. So I looked at the situation trying to figure out why would the storm turn west i could not find any reason for it to turn west so i decided there isn't much out there to move this storm so i pretty much interpolated from the 500 millibars right into south carolina so on monday that monday night when i went on the air i said I think this is a hurricane that's going to hit us in South Carolina. And I was projecting mainly the low country. And the next day, I expected, you know, that, that was, it hit uh, uh, after midnight on, on Friday. So you're more than three days out. So I expected, okay, I'll have to change the forecast Tuesday, but we can make corrections along the way. Well, when I came in Tuesday, I was within 25 miles of the projected path. So I decided if things aren't changing, why change the forecast? So I stuck with the forecast, and it came right into Charleston, South Carolina, and um, it did it did quite a number on South Carolina. It was the it was the strongest hurricane to hit South Carolina since the storm in 1893.
2: I want to hit, touch on another uh, major uh, weather event topic, which was the the October flood of 2015, which affected not only us at the coast, but again, the connection to Columbia and the tropics and an upper low. And it was just a, the perfect kind of combination. And, and so I know that there was dams that broke in Colombia, There was all kinds of flooding issues, you name it. So talk a little about your experience
1: with that. and, and how you. Well, that through. was an interesting one, because if you'll remember, it was Joaquin that came into the Bahamas and went um, stationary. And sat there for a while. And, of course, we were all watching it. One of the things early that week that bothered me was that the projection for rainfall for this area seemed to be unreasonably high. Unreasonably high because every computer model had the hurricane passing well east of us, offshore. Maybe going into North Carolina. But certainly that would still leave us on what is traditionally the dry side of the hurricane. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this on the air. And, and of course I was talking with uh, my colleagues there in the weather center and I said, you know, something just does not add up. And so we kept looking and I kept analyzing stuff and still couldn't figure it out. I knew that there was some information that we weren't getting. So the, the National Hurricane Center decided on that Wednesday night, they would start flying the high-altitude aircraft out toward the storm. And I said, and, and and by the way, I was on conference calls with our corporate people. Um, Tegna owned our TV station. So I was on the conference call, and I said, look, we can make all kinds of projections we want, but the National Hurricane Center is going to fly that high-altitude aircraft tonight when that data gets into the computer model we will know what this storm is going to do and that was wednesday night thursday morning it wasn't so much a surprise but the projections for the hurricane had it staying offshore but it did not change the rainfall prediction for our area and at that point i realized we're we're looking at the wrong thing the hurricane is not the threat It is the upper level low that is coming down through the Tennessee River Valley that's going to slow down, almost stall over the Florida Panhandle. It's gonna tap a tropical atmospheric river, and it's gonna direct it right into South Carolina.
2: We've talked about hurricanes, snowstorms, and uh, flooding. Were there perhaps any tornado events that you uh, particularly recall from your years uh, in Columbia? Oh,
1: oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) In fact, um, Probably the most memorable one was from a tropical depression, 1994. And it was Hurricane or Tropical Storm Beulah. But it, hit, it hit along the Florida coast, came into Georgia, southwest Georgia, and was heading up toward the Athens area, the center. It happened that the we were on the east side at just the right point, in the heat of the afternoon. So I went, into, uh, went in early to, to work in preparation for, I, I guess I got to the station around 1130. And while Joe Penner, who was doing the weather for the midday show, as he was doing the weather, they right after he got off, they issued a tornado warning. And it was for Barnwell County. And I thought, tornado warning now keep in mind back then the weather service had doppler radar but we did not so i'm thinking okay so we went on and, and gave a warning and everything and i'm i'm looking at everything as, as best i can and uh, all of a sudden they um they happened to say that there was um uh, uh, circulation in Lexington County. It was down near Peelian, I think it was, or something like that. I went, oh my gosh! So uh, I notified the assignment desk. They said, where do we need? Do can we? Do we need to send someone to Peelian? I said, no. Don't go to where it's been. Go to where it's going to go. So we sent a photographer out on I twenty, and I just said, you know, go toward Highway six, and then we'll we'll see Well, he gets to Highway six. And he he misses the turn, has to turn around. When he does, he sees the tornado. And that was the first of something like 28 or nine tornadoes that day. Our conversation continues coming up next. Welcome back to the Carolina Weather Group.
2: Switching gears a little bit, Jim. Um, Climate change has been something you're very vocal about. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: It kind it goes back to nine in two thousand seven. This is when TV stations were starting their websites. Everybody was kind of green back then, so we really didn't know what what we were doing, what we wanted to accomplish. And I convinced the TV station. I said, you know, let's let's do something. Let let's start a science and technology page. But I was also at the time on the station scientists committee. It just so happens that. Joe Witte, a meteorologist who was on the air in Washington, D.C., made a recommendation to Ed Maybeck at George Mason University. And they wanted to see about um, educating people about climate change. Joe sends a note to the chairman, who was Paul Gross at the time, and Paul then relayed that message to all of us on the committee. And I had just come inside from working out in the yard. And it said on there um, that they were looking for an advisor. I said, hey, this, this sounds kind of interesting. So I responded. But a friend of mine on the committee beat me to it. So when I talked to Joe, I said, well, if if you um, if you need any help or anything like that, just let me know. A few days later, he calls back. He said, how would you like to be the test case? I got the TV station on board. They supported it. The National Science Foundation gave us the grant. And in 2009, ironically, as, uh, as Climate Gate was breaking, we were meeting in Washington, D.C. to map out a program that would become Climate Matters. The whole focus of our work was to educate people about how the climate is changing and why it's changing and how it's going to affect them locally. We just wanted to give people the scientific information.
0: What does Columbia, South Carolina mean to you? And then second part of that is how is retirement life?
1: I worked here for 34 years, so I consider it to be home. It's also a great place to be. Uh, The cost of living here in Columbia is really pretty low in comparison to other parts of the country. Um, and, and, and actually, you can say that through a large part of the Carolinas. It's not just Columbia, but uh, in, in this part of the country, the cost of living isn't that great. So it's a great place to live. So if you, if, if you don't have uh, a vast wealth, uh, it's a great place to just kind of you know, settle in. As it turns out, I picked the perfect time to retire. I mean, I was already 66, so it wasn't like I was retiring early. Um, and uh, so I decided, okay, let's go ahead and retire. This is it. I'll retire, and we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy life, whatever it is.
2: Last question, Jim. Uh, to wrap this up, what are your words of advice for any future meteorology student or anybody that's currently in the field.
1: I I read something the other day that kind of struck me. It was a a, a young meteorology student who was struggling or had struggled in, in at Florida State. Had gone to another college, had had some problems there, but was really passionate about weather. And I thought about it because I, I felt bad that she was struggling, but. I, I sent her a text, I mean, a a tweet back, and I said, this might surprise you and will surprise some, but I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I struggled as well. I often joke that I enjoyed the course Atmospheric Radiation so much, I took it three times. And you just have to work hard and persevere. When I graduated, I wasn't at the top of my class. But my parents instilled a work ethic. If you want something, you got to work for it. So in many cases, I wasn't the best person on the air. Um, sir. So Certainly, I wasn't always the best-looking person on the air. I don't have the best voice on the air. I don't even know why I'm on the air, but I work harder than anybody. One of my colleagues once said, you are the hardest-working meteorologist I have ever been around. And it's true. When I go to work, I'm there until it's done. Eight hours, nine hours, 12 hours, it doesn't make any difference. I, I get the job done, and I, I always wanted to be the best forecaster.
0: Uh, very thankful for you to join us tonight. Um, you're still following a little bit of weather. Are you doing any updates on social media? If so, um, how can, can folks follow you?
1: Um, follow me uh, on Twitter and Facebook at, at uh, JimGandyWX.
0: That's awesome. Well, Jim, we certainly appreciate it. We hope that uh, you and your wife can get out and travel soon. Hopefully this pandemic mess will come to us soon uh, or uh, end soon. And uh, you can get out there and and enjoy uh, the traveling. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us tonight. And uh, from all of us here at the Carolina Weather Group, thank you for your service that you uh, that you've dedicated to uh, the folks of South Carolina over the plus
1: years. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
0: Everyone, thanks for watching the Carolina Weather Group. We'll see you next time.